every family, Christian family, it's obviously a subject I've been in and out of many times over the years. And um, years ago I wrote a, a parenting course drawing on a lot of books, a lot of materials. Um, adapted that and in 2013, I think it was, we did a parenting course five evenings here at uh, Lighthouse. And um, I've only taken a couple of bits from that into this morning, but what I did was I tidied up the notes a bit and I have printed, I think, six copies. There were seven, but one's gone. Um, six copies of Lighthouse Parenting Course. I haven't updated it, but I've just kind of tidied it a bit to get it into 22 pages instead of 30 odd. Um, so, first comes the first serve. At the end of the morning, if you'd like a copy of a big set of notes on this topic, you can come and get them from me. I'm not putting them out there to be grabbed. Um, you can. The only reason I didn't do more was number one time, number two, we, ran, we literally ran out of printing paper this morning. I printed so much stuff when I got in here this morning. We've, I've used up all the printing paper. So, um, need to get some more. But uh, let's get into Ephesians together. Father, we pray for the help of the Holy Spirit to access Scripture because there is your wisdom here. There is something from heaven that comes to us through your word. And we think we know stuff because of the way we've been trained or brought up by ourselves, cultural, traditional. Our family always works like that. We always think that's the way it is. But we come to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, to be renewed in our thinking by the the truth that you come and bring to us and apply to us. And it is revolutionary. It is different from what we think we know. We pray for your help, Holy Spirit, to, to receive your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> it doesn't want to do it. Whoa, I don't know if it's, there you go, finally woke it up. So, Ephesians 5 has within it, let's not be foolish, but wise, understanding what the will of the Lord is, and then it says, therefore be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody from your hearts to the Lord, and be thankful in all things. And then it says, and submit to one another in the fear of Christ. Because we honor the Lord, we honor others by submitting to one another. And that's one another. That's, that's the whole Christian community. And I've asked the same question for a number of weeks now. How does verse 21 of Ephesians 5 follow one after praise and thanksgiving and, 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 and so on? It's because honor is the central theme. We honor God by praising and worshiping Him and by being thankful to Him. And we honor Him by honoring His people. Honoring one another. In fact, honoring all people because everyone's made the image of God. It's just broken. We honor the Lord. We honor others because we honor the Lord. So the Apostle Paul then deals with honor, humility, and service as relating to wives and husbands. That was last week. Children, parents, employers, and employees. Now, this is my last Sunday preaching for three weeks because next weekend we've got David Redmond here from Southend, who's a big guy in many different many ways. He's not that big, but he's tall and uh, he's a big-hearted, big character kind of guy. Quite a prophetic man. So, you're looking forward to having David with us next Sunday? Yes. Good. After that, we've got two of our homegrown preachers preaching while Carol are away and I are away on holiday. I'm not going to tell you who, you've got to come. So these words are addressed to Christian wives, Christian husbands, Christian children, Christian fathers or parents, and Christian employers and employees. We can't make these a rule for the world because they haven't got the grace of God and the Spirit of God to do it. Right? This won't work without the help of God. So this is Christian wives, Christian husbands, Christian children, Christian fathers and parents. I said last week that one of the things we need to bear in mind is honor all people. Wives are not inferior to husbands 
or women to men. And I missed out saying to you last week something I got from good old R.C. Sproul. Let me read it to you. Son's caught up with me. Eve was given to Adam as helper and supporter, not servant. Adam was, in a sense, king over God's creation, and Eve was his queen, not his slave girl. Children are not inferior to parents, nor are parents superior to children. Workers are not inferior to bosses, nor are bosses superior to workers. And we'll get to that. I don't even know if we'll get to that in August. It might be September when we start again. So Ephesians 5, last week, verse 22 to 33, addresses the Christian couple, husband and wife. If you missed that last week, get a CD, get the notes, please. That teaching, taking and applying the words of Scripture, straightforwardly, straight as they come, is both foundational to us and it's countercultural to the world. If we get our wisdom from the world, we're going to find what the Bible says weird. Because this is countercultural. It's against the flow of the world. We're going to come today to children and then parents. There's only some very little children in the room. I wonder if anyone's going to keep their kids in. God's design for family and marriage. These faiths of the cross. Children, honor your parents in the Lord. Honor them by submitting to them. Honor them by obeying them. Here it is. Children, obey your parents as you would the Lord. Now that's interesting, as you would the Lord. So this child is a child who fears God, who loves the Lord, right? Because they're honoring their parents so that they honor the Lord, because this is right. And then Paul brings in uh, the Old Testament uh, fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So not the first commandment, it's the first commandment with a promise attached to it, so that it may go well with you and that you may have long life in the land. Parallel passage in Colossians very briefly says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. So this parental child relationship is important enough to get a place in the Ten Commandments with a promise of long life, if you'll do it. Children in a Christian home should obey their their parents as they would the Lord. So they need to be those who fear the Lord and want to obey the Lord firstly, so they then obey their parents as they would the Lord Christ. We know from John's Gospel, John's Epistle and so on, if we love the Lord, we will obey him. We will keep his commandments. And if, if you were a child still at home under your parents' authority and oversight, Love the Lord, and you love the Lord, you will obey the, your parents. It's the Lord's command. It pleases him. It promises blessing if you do. So let's ask a very basic study, a question. What are we raising our children for? What's the goal? What's the aim? It's session five, it's four, four I think, in that set of notes. What are we doing this for? Are we raising them to succeed in their studies, move on to a solid career, make a good income, marry, settle down? There's nothing wrong in those things. But what if they do all of that but don't love the Lord? Are we going to be happy? Are we going to be content with that outcome? This whole passage of Scripture, Ephesians 5 and 6, is speaking of how we as Christians behave as husbands, as Christians as wives, as parents, as children, employees and employees. None of that works apart from this phrase, in the Lord. It's because we belong to him, because we're secure in him, because we're receiving help from him, grace, the Holy Spirit. We, we are equipped to do these things, to be different from the way we would be otherwise. So my friends, our first priority, our goal, number one goal, for our children must be this, that they grow to love and serve the Lord Jesus. That has to be number one. More than the, more than the, the grades. Number one. The primary way in which we teach them is when loving and pleasing the Lord is our own first priority. It's my first priority, therefore I can show them it's theirs. But they will... Pick up your priorities. There's a thread through Scripture in the Lord, and I started studying it yesterday morning, but I thought I haven't got time to add too much of that in. 
It's quite a while ago now we looked at Ephesians 5. Let me just read these scriptures to you. 5 verse 8. You once were darkness, but you're now light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. We're on a journey of discovery. This pleases God. That doesn't. We focus, turn to what pleases the Lord. Now you can't find all that written down on a list. And if you did, it would be legalistic. You'd think, I've got my list now. That's fine, thank you much. I've ticked all the boxes. I'm good. It's a process of discovery. And as you mature as a Christian, suddenly the Holy Spirit will talk to you about something he's never talked to you about. Well, well, I, yet, I, haven't been, I haven't been convicted about that or bothered about that before. Why now? Because progressively you're being undertaken on a journey to, be, to understand and to move into what pleases the Lord. It's a progressive thing. It's called sanctification, by the way. Let me add another two verses here. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, with the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with all that is good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. Glory belongs to him forever and ever. Amen. Equipped. To do what pleases him. John 3, 21. Dear friends, if our conscience doesn't condemn us, and it will again because you're in a progressive state of being sanctified, we have confidence before God and we can receive whatever we ask from him because we keep his commandments and we do, that is just commands, sorry, and do what is pleasing in his sight. The reason that children in a Christian home should obey their parents is not firstly to please or placate their parents, but to please the Lord. Did you get that? The reason they should obey you is not to please you, but to please God. And they need to understand that. They need to be taught that. This is not about your pleasure or displeasure. It's about what pleases God. They therefore need to learn that faith. They need to learn that obedience towards the Lord from us. If we honor our parents' promises, it will go well with us because we will reap what we sow after all. And uh, I said to somebody recently, you know, um, if you give your parents a bad time when you're a parent, guess what you might have to put up with? You reap what you sow. So if you're one of your parents, guess what? You have, a, you have children that are not, you know, you're on track. Yeah, we've already seen that last week, in marriage, a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife. They are new. They're one flesh. They're a new unit. So the relationship with your parents shifts and changes at that point in time. In fact, it can shift and change when someone goes to uni because they're, they're on their own now. They're away from home. They're making their own life. And they may not come to live back at home again. They may move to be with a job. So you're releasing them into adulthood. Whether when they go to uni or to a job or to to a new place to work or when they're getting married. You have to release them into adulthood. That was your goal, to produce in them maturity to handle life. Including, number one priority, faith in God. Parents must release their children. No strings attached. The cycle of children becoming adults and parents continues to the next generation. That should be our joy. To see those we've raised living a life of faith and fruitfulness, finding a godly partner, raising the next generation of those who will love the Lord. Now before anyone takes children obey your parents home to lecture your kids over lunch, hold on to the edge of your seat. Because Paul moves on to, parents, you need to honor your children in the Lord. You think, where did you get that word honor from in dealing with our kids? I think it's completely appropriate. We'll see how we go along. Now listen to this, Ephesians 5, 6, verse 4. Fathers, I'll talk about inclusive on that in a moment. Don't stir up anger in your children. 
Sometimes I look at the scripture and think, did I ever read that before? What? What? Children, fathers, do not stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Colossians 3, parallel scripture. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so they won't become discouraged. Let me deal with that word fathers, first of all. Scripture says fathers, for they have that role and responsibility in the Christian family from God. But that does not mean that all the training and instruction comes from the man and not from the wife as well. It's shared between the parents, but the father has in the Christian family that responsibility, that role, to make sure it happens, to lead it through. But where there is no father in a family... I do not doubt that a mother stands in that authority from God. God cares for the fatherless and for the widow. He helps the fatherless and the widow, it says in Psalms. And I believe that where the child hasn't got a father living with them, the, the wife, the mother who must continue to parent that child can, as they ask God and seek God, receive all the wisdom she needs to fulfill her role. The same would be true of a husband, a father raising children on his own. Help is available. Wisdom from God is available. you just got to pick up and say, I'm now in that role of responsibility, so I need you to help me here, Lord. Apply these scriptures about fatherhood to you if you're a single parent. I believe it's appropriate because you have authority under God to fulfill that role. No question about it. If you're responsible under God, God charges you with it and will help you with it. That doesn't make single parenting a desirable situation. I'm saying that God gives extraordinary help to someone in that situation, which they didn't plan for but have come to. They can rely on the Lord's heart and hand towards them in their need. Now what are responsible parents directed to do? It says it two different ways, Ephesians and Colossians. Don't stir up anger in your children. Bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. Of the Lord. This is faith-based. And then Colossians, don't exasperate the children so they won't become discouraged. Two statements have this in common. Be careful what you're producing in them. What attitude you're producing in them by the way you handle them. How do they live under your authority? Is there peace in your home? What example are they obeying? What lessons are they learning from you? What you do and what you say. I like this quote from James Baldwin. Children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they've never failed to imitate them. (laughs) They'll do what you do. So here you go. Very simple headlines. Whatever you want your kids to do, you do it. And whatever you don't want your kids to do, don't you do it. Don't have rules for adults and rules for kids in your house. There's a few things that only adults can do, like, you know, get a driving license and get married. And I mean, that's late teens, I know. You know, vote and buy and drink alcohol. There's a few things that are age-related. But in terms of behavior, how you handle life, the kind of language you use, you cannot have two rules in a Christian family for the adults and the kids. Same rules apply. Whatever you want them to do, you do it. Whatever you don't want them to do, don't you do it. You tell them not to use bad language, but you use bad language telling them not to use bad language. I've heard it. Don't do it. What might provoke them to anger? This is a very small letter. It's on the the notes for you. What might provoke them to anger? I thought about this. Well, injustice, unfairness, harshness, dealing without a hearing, without hearing them out, without justice, without applying fairness to it, being quick-tempered, inconsistency, unpredictability, not maintaining the same standard, not keeping your word. That might provoke them, leave them exasperated. Hypocrisy, saying one thing but doing something else. That would exasperate them. That would stir them to anger. I'll break a minute. And I'll tell you a 
fairy, no, fairy story, kind of fairy story. How many of you remember Goldilocks and Three Bears? Too long ago. Too long ago. <laughs> <laughs> the sun's chasing me across the room. Let me tell you the beginning of the story. Once upon a time, there was a little girl called Goldilocks. She went for a walk in the forest. Pretty soon, she came upon a house. She knocked, and when no one answered, she walked right in. At the table in the kitchen, there were three bowls of porridge, and Goldilocks was hungry. She tasted the porridge from the first bowl. This porridge is too hot, she exclaimed. So she tasted the porridge from the second bowl. This porridge is too cold, she said. So she tasted the last bowl of porridge. Ah, this porridge is just right, she said happily, and she ate it all up. Porridge too hot, porridge too cold, porridge just right. Why did I tell you that story? Because I think getting the balance right in parenting is really difficult. We can, some of us tend to be too hot, and some of us tend to be too cold. Some of us can be too firm, and others can be too lax. We can be too harsh, fierce, overbearing, so we do not provide nurture, positive affirmation to a child. Or we can be too lax, indisciplined, and indulgent towards them. Remember someone, one of the Christian writers I did when I was doing those notes, said he walked into the supermarket and in one aisle a child was misbehaving, having a tantrum. And the mother, who was, you know, quite posh maybe, said, oh darling, don't do that here. Over in another aisle, a kid, he was pulling all the tins of beans off the shelf, you know. And, 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 and the mother was, you, 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 you. He said, both of them have got it wrong. Almost, I don't know which way you want to make hot and cold. One was hot porridge, one was cold porridge. But it wasn't right. Neither attitude was right. There's negative instruction and positive instruction here. First negatively, Scripture tells us don't stir up anger in your children. Think about how you're treating them and what that's producing in them. Don't provoke them to wrath. Stir them to persistent resentment and bitterness. Don't create an environment in which your children are frustrated, exasperated, dejected, browbeaten, or of, and avoid you or won't speak to you. And don't use violence, including threats of violence, in dealing with your child. There's a great difference between a smack and a beating. What is it? Joe Jackson, Michael Jackson's father, died this week, and he was, he was asked, did you beat Michael? He said, I didn't beat him. I hit him with a switch and with my belt, but I didn't beat him. If you were going to beat somebody, you hit him with a stick. Think, what? You give someone a thrashing, but if it's not with a big stick, it's not a thrashing. I have heard... In public, the most violent language being used towards children and young people. Will I get you home? Mm. Oaths, threatening, terribly violent language. And I think sometimes, you know, our language is like way over the top. What are you threatening this child with? How, how is it possible that you think that's good language to use? And I've heard those things. By the way, let me talk about smacking. This is the current law in the UK on smacking. And it, it's, a, it's a conundrum. I'm looking at the lawyer, one lawyer in the room. It is unlawful for a parent or carer to smack their child except where this amounts to reasonable punishment. Smacking is against the law except where it's reasonable. You say... Well, how does that work? Well, here's how it's interpreted generally. Any smack that leaves a mark, grazes, scratches, abrasions, minor bruising, swellings, reddening of the skin, superficial cuts, a black eye, is actually common assault and would not pass the test of reasonable punishment. It's not unlawful to give a smack to your child. It's unlawful to deliver a beating. We make that very clear. If a smack leaves a mark the next day, that oversteps the, the lawful boundary. 
There are continuing moves in Scotland and Wales for a total ban on smacking children. And both the UN and the EU are pressing for all smacking of children to be banned worldwide. Let me also say that those of us who have responsibility for safeguarding children, child minors, nursery workers, teachers, local churches, I myself have a personal legal responsibility for safeguarding in this local church. If I and others spot any signs of abuse, such as I've just mentioned, physical marks, I must report them. I have a legal duty. But if you'll hear the instruction of Scripture here, you wouldn't even threaten what amounts to assault to a child. But you may give them a reinforcing smack when it is appropriate. Chastisement is necessary, but nurturing love should be the prevailing family attitudes. We need to check our attitude towards children. We were once children, and we want... Listen, you may want to be better treated than you were treated, okay? Is that fair? You can make that choice. You don't have to do the same. You can make a choice about how you raise your children. We probably hope that our children will go on to have children. Being the child or the parent is a role in life for a season. It's a long season, 20 years or so, but it's a season. Therefore, we should honour even our children by truly wanting the best for them and doing our best for, doing our best for them. I want to remind you of the words of the Lord Jesus concerning children. Matthew 18, then Matthew 19. He called a child to him. <clears throat> my voice isn't working, my clicker doesn't work. <laughs> the sun is bothering me. Then he called a child to him and had him stand among them. Let me pause and look around, because I think Jesus may have done that. He's looking at the child, he's looking at them. I assure, maybe he put his child, his hand on the child's head or shoulder. I assure you, he said, unless you are converted and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, who humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me. But whoever causes the downfall of one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown in the depths of the sea. See to it that you do not look down on one of these little ones. Let me put that plainly to you. Jesus is here telling us to, to be careful about our attitude towards children. Especially in a Christian family. See to it that you do not look down on one of these little ones. Because I tell you that in heaven, the angels continually view the face of my Father in heaven. I'm not even going to begin to work on that bit. Later on in Matthew 19, Jesus practically has to teach the lesson again. Children were brought to him so he might put his hands on them and pray and bless them. But the disciples rebuked them. Then Jesus said, leave the children alone. and Don't try to keep them from coming to me. Because the kingdom of heaven is made up of people like this. I'll say it again. Parents and adults are not superior to children so that they look down on them. And children are not inferior to parents and adults. We have a role and responsibility, a duty to, to raise them, a duty to care for them, a duty to produce adulthood, maturity, and Christian faith in our Christian family. Until it's time for them to do the same. Someone reminded me this week, they're not ours really, they belong to the Lord. Children are a gift from God. And they're only ours for a while. Until they've got to be, they've got to focus on God themselves and become responsible adults, living by faith and obedience. The words training and instruction are in the King James, nurture and admonition. And I think that's a bit closer. 
There's positive and lesson, negative lessons to be learned here in the way we treat our kids. Affirmation and correction. Right hand and left hand. Affirmation and correction. There are a number of passages in Scripture that warn us as parents not to neglect correcting and training our children. Proverbs 13, 24 says that the parent who loves their child disciplines that child. That doesn't mean beating them all the time. It means they're bringing them to order, bringing them into correction. Parents who do not correct their child because not correcting them gives them an easier life. Ha ha. Doesn't. Love themselves more than they love the child. I didn't put in my notes, but Charles Burton said, if you never give yourself a headache about correcting your child, you'll give yourself heartache later. We misunderstand the word discipline. It means to bring to order. To bring to order. We correct wrong behavior, not only by rebuking it, but by teaching right behavior. Stop doing that, do this. Look, see, this is the way we do it. This is the way we handled it. Correcting is not only rebuking what's wrong, but teaching what's right. Fathers or parents have to treat their children fairly and firmly, lovingly nurturing and correcting them. Choose and use words well. Mean what you say. That's why I don't say, don't use threats. Don't be over the top. Say exactly how it is. Affirm and encourage what is good. Make it your aim to commend your children more than you criticize them. Let there be more words of praise than punishment. You won't spoil them by praise, but you can, you can damage them by being overbearing. When correcting what is wrong, use neither oaths nor threats. In fact, this could go again to Jesus. He's talking about religious oaths and so on, but I think the truth is that any kind of uh, strong language. Strong language may be a threat as well as a kind of curse or not. He says, let your word yes be yes and your no, no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. I think that's truly excellent advice for parenting. Let your yes be yes. If you're going to promise something, you're going to do it. No be no. If it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. If you're not going to allow it, you're not going to allow it. Yes be yes, no be no. James, picking up on Jesus there, says, Now above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. Your yes must be yes and your no must be no, so that you won't fall under judgment. So here's the big word for parenting. The big word is... No. <laughs> and it's no. It's no. It's no. Stop. It's, oh, not now, darling. Mummy doesn't like that. It's no. You can start with no when they're really small, really, really small, and they understand. It's the hand, it's the finger, it's the, it's, it's the expression. It's the intention, it's the, no. Stop it. No. And then, positively, this is how to express that you want something, this is how to express that you, you know, you, you're tired or whatever. You know? Set the boundaries. What matters in your family? What character and way of life do you aspire to and want to teach to your child? Mark the boundaries for your family life. What is good, what is not? What can be and what shouldn't be? Remember the porridge, neither too hot nor too cold. Our charge from the Lord as parents is to give ourselves to training and instruction, nurture and admonition, affirmation and correction. The honor agenda works even in this, children and parents. We are not to have an attitude of superiority. We have authority over our children, but we are not more than them. If they're believers in Christ, they're children of God. And one day they'll be adult children of God like you. We need to shepherd them and guard them and train them and instruction and affirm them, encourage them to pray, encourage them to listen to God. We need to make first things first things. But there will be correction along the way and it starts with that word. It starts right there. That your no is no. 
that the child can understand this person means what they say. When they say yes, it's yes. And when they say no, it's no. And it's not maybe if you... If, okay, if you wind me up enough, my, my no might change. They've got to learn. Yeah, if they apply pressure, the no stays no, and actually they're in more trouble. Because they haven't heard the no. Do you know children are born sinners? We don't like to think about that, do we? Scripture says the children go astray from the womb speaking lies. Well, it takes a little bit of time till they speak lies. But a little bit more than from the womb. But you do not have to teach your children to be manipulative. You do not have to teach your children to lie to you. You have to discipline in the Lord to unlearn those things. They're born with those instincts. Why? Because we're all born into sin. And you, you, you might be surprised when your, your kids and your Christian family, you know, the nice Christian family, start to misbehave themselves. Listen, there's sin in their hearts. So you, they've got to learn how to make better choices and how to overcome sin in their hearts. Just as we did. Just as we did even as adults. How many of you were converted past the age of, let's say, 14? How many of you became Christian after you were 14? So you weren't, you weren't raised in a sense of overcoming sin. You had to learn to do it as a teenager or older, having been born of God. Now, please, God, maybe our kids might come to be born again, I don't know, before, before their school age or during the school years or whatever. I know some kids out in the back there, and in, they love the Lord. They really do. They, they love the Lord. Great. You should encourage it and build them up in that. Here's the kind of language I, I would encourage for a Christian home. In this home, we respect one another. We speak the truth to one another. We are not rude to one another. You set the standard. You set the boundary. When I step out of that, you tell me, and I'm, I'll have to apologize. But when you step out of that, you'll hear the no. Come on. Sort it out. Come on. Tantrum, therefore, is not acceptable behavior. Sulking is not acceptable behavior for any adult, any family member of any age, I should say. You know, come on, some grown-ups like to sulk. What's the matter? Come on, what's the matter? That's not a teenager, that's a grown-up. Shouting or swearing is not acceptable behavior for any family member. You know the story the Lord Jesus told us, which we call the prodigal son? It's really about a... a, a, The rebel, wasteful son is, of course, like us, but the generous, merciful father is like God. That's why it was so revolutionary when Jesus told the story. You know, people got the message. Do you mean God is like that? What? God takes back sinners like that? Yes, he does. Yet there's another lesson implied in that story that Jesus told. Godly parenting can be like that. We may, at a time in our life, need to be that loving, that forgiving, that reaffirming. To restore someone who's, in a sense, been lost from us and to us. Back to where they were before. That's, wow, that's godly. That's godlike. Yeah, that's godlike. All that we've looked at here is Applying Ephesians 5, verse 18 to 22. No, 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 I've missed one out. Come on back. I think the batteries are going here. Okay. Be filled with the Spirit of Spirit, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Parents, children need to submit to their parents. Parents need to submit themselves to the Lord and to his instruction and to his wisdom so they parent the children well with godly values. Even godlike character. I know for many of us say, well, that's not the way we're raised. Well, all of this is in the Lord Christian, marriage partners, Christian parents, Christian children. A Christian father or parent, single parent, 
needs to keep the Lord central because it's his values, his instructions, not family or cultural traditions that are being taught. People talk about generational curses. Karen and I don't believe in them as curses as much, but there is a thing about the way you were treated is the way you treat other people. Abused people abuse people. You kind of learn a way of behaving, you pattern it. Listen, as a Christian, you can break the pattern. You can break the cycle. I, by the grace of God, I'm not going to be the same as that. And you lay hold of God's wisdom to set a new trend, to create a new generational progress. You don't do what, they, what was done in the past. You forgive them for it, but you don't have to become like them. So Christian parents must soak themselves in Scripture, seek for understanding. So it's the wisdom of God that's being built, not the shifting values of human society. You know, the problem with following the world is you follow the world here and then they go over there. So you're following them, then they go over there. There's one thing that is true. Wherever the world moves to in their values and wherever they go next, it's all downhill all the way to hell. It's just they go off to that track and, oh, no, 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 let's go to this track. But it's all downhill, folks. We cannot build our lives on the values of the world around us because we will be lost if we do. We need to build with God's word and wisdom. Jesus said, a foolish man is the one, listen, who hears my words but doesn't do them. He builds his house on, a, on sand and when the flood comes, it washes it away. But a wise person hears my words and does them. And they are building their house on rock. And when the same flood comes, and floods come to all of us, illness, disease, unemployment, all kinds of things, the house still stands. House in Scripture is a synonym for household. Household, home. A home is secure when it's built on the Word of God. Not just knowing it, doing it. Doing it. You're secure there. For more help on marriage or parenting as a Christian, the good books to be read, and we can point you to them, Karen and I have run courses, marriage course. I've given you, some of you will have these notes here on the parenting course. We're raising the next generation of Christians. And as we close, I want to give you this quote from a lady called Lisa Wingate. I don't know who she is. I found this online. Your children are the greatest gift God will give to you. And their souls, the heaviest responsibility he will place in your hands. Take time with them. Teach them to have faith in God. Be a person in whom they can have faith. When you are old, nothing else you've done will have mattered as much. We each have roles and responsibilities. Wife to husband, husband to wife, child to parent, parent to child, employee to employer, employer to employee. And we are to honor all people. Let me come back to why. Why? Because honor, humility, and service are wrapped up in the relationship between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we, as the children of God, are on a course to become more like our God and Father. The Father loves and honors the Son. The Son loves, honors, and serves the Father. The Spirit loves, honors, and serves both the Father and the Son. And a Christian husband loves his wife enough to lay down his preferences for her, to serve her. Christian wife, responding to the love of such a husband, submits herself to his leadership. Christian child should see such character in their Christian parents that they recognize this is a Christian family. My mom and dad fear the Lord. And so the pattern of life in the Christian family is, quotes, in the Lord. So the child recognizes when they do what's right, God is pleased. When they obey their parents, God is pleased. Parents please God and honor God by the attitude that they have towards their children, that they're firm, that they're fair, that they're loving, that they know how to handle both affirmation and correction. And the balance is on the affirmation and the building up. But they know when it's time to say no and they're not afraid to do so. Bring strong correction. They honor the Lord 
by handling their children well. And I'd love to get onto employees and employees, but it's going to be long, long into the summer before we get to that because we've got some weeks of breaks. We are imaging God. That's what we're called to do. One of the reasons we're called the children of God. We will never be all-knowing or all-powerful. There's a, there's a heresy that the faith movement people t- teach called we're little gods, one day we'll become gods. No. We become like our Father in character, in the way we conduct ourselves. That's how God conducts a relationship between the members of the Trinity. There's love, there's honor, there's humility, there's service. Those patterns of behavior are to be seen even in our family, in our home. We confuse dad with being boss. Dad must nurture and shepherd. We confuse mothers sometimes with being the soft one. Though in some families it's the other way around. People, the children will play off the father against the mother or the other way around. They know which one's going to give way. So this is, where there is father and mother in home, father, you said the lead, but you know what? You've got to be agreed together. I'll tell you how it was with Carol and I. I was out at work, long working days. I worked in the West End most of the time my kids were growing up. So it was a long commute and a long working day. When I came back, if something happened in the day, Carol had to deal with it, I backed her up. I did not think for one moment that I knew better than Carol had had to deal with it at the time. And I'd reinforced the lesson by talking to my child and taking him aside and having a chat with him. Why did you do that? Is that helpful? Do you think that was you know, honoring to the rest of the family? Do you think that was pleasing to God? Now, I didn't do it all right. I, I promise you I didn't. But this is God's wisdom. Here in Scripture, we have God's wisdom. And if we think we know better than that, who the heck do we think we are? We've got to humble ourselves to learn and then take the lessons and apply them. You see, out in the street of Harlow, if I walk around long enough, I'm going to see some bad parenting somewhere on the street. You know. I mean, I tell you that years ago now, I was walking down the street. It wasn't Harlow. It was east end of London. Out of a house came a child running. I thought, that's strange. And after him came a man running with a big stick. So I ran after him. And I grabbed him and I took the big stick from him and I said, if you use that stick to beat that child, I'll beat you. I refused to let it happen. I thought, I, I don't interfere with people's parenting, you know, no matter how you know, awful I think it is, but on that occasion I was not going let, to let that child be beaten like that. Not good. What, how I treat my kids produces what in them. I just want to say, no, I can't. (laughs) No, I can't say that. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, you know how to father. You know how to father. Twice when Jesus was with us and amongst us, you spoke from heaven to affirm him. This is my dear beloved son. Not for his sake, Jesus said, but for other people's sake. Publicly affirmed him. Acknowledged him to be yours. And that you were pleased with him. Oh God, I pray. Put that attitude of parental love and care in our hearts so we are delighted to affirm our children, to commend them, to encourage them, to build them up. 
so that when we correct, they know we've stepped out of that. We're having to do something we don't want to do very often. But they know us as the affirming, encouraging parent. He's always stirring them to, to be responsible for their actions, to, to do what is pleasing to you, to learn how to honor people, to learn how to speak in an appropriate way. Father, teach us these lessons, we pray. For those of us who feel we've missed it along the way or perhaps we're in a, uh, an unequal yokage relationship we're married to someone who's a Christian, it's very difficult for us to get any progress here. We submit that to you, Lord. It's, it, we, we think it's our mess, but you're in our mess. You, you come and help us where we are. You reach us where, right where we are. You don't say, move over here and then I'll help you. We appeal to you for your help and your wisdom right where we are. The measure we have to live with, the expression we tend to use, it is what it is, but it is what it is now, but with your help it could change a bit. Come and help us, Lord, we pray. Stir our hearts so that we appreciate how good a father you are to us. We sing it sometimes, you're a good, good father. You're a good father when you correct me. When I hear from heaven the no as well as the well done. You're being a good father then too. We appreciate that the wisdom of parenting comes from our heavenly parent, God, our heavenly father. So teach and instruct us from our hearts, we pray. Not just with script, with text, with words. Come and instruct our hearts. Come and put in our hearts attitudes that our Lord Jesus talked about, the way we deal with children, the way we we honour children. We do not look down on them. Teach us that, Lord, I pray. Now we thank you for our adoption as your children. Because Jesus has set about making a great family, a great company of sons and brothers, which includes us, male and female. One day all the sons of God will gather to home and will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. And we, many of us here, are among them. Oh God, we thank you for that. It's by your grace, by your grace. Amen. We're going to break.